All right, so welcome to Potline Bling. I'm your host, JJ Coombs, and today I have the pleasure of interviewing Nate Ferguson. Nate is one of the OGs of the industry. Uh, he's the co-founder of Jetty Extracts, and he's also the master extractor. I want to start by thanking you, Nate, for taking the time to, uh, to join the podcast. So tell me a little bit about Jetty and, and what you do. Sure. Jetty Extracts was founded in 2013. We've been, you know, we're a legacy operator. We've been around California for almost a decade now. Um, and what we primarily do is make extracts. Um, you know, we've always kind of really steered our extraction to keep it as natural and as close to the plant and just really try to represent the plant as much as possible. So we've always kind of sided with, you know, 100% cannabis oil, minimally processed. Um, you know, right now we're working on solventless oil, which is just ice and water extract. Have you guys ever ever launched like a, a distillate based cartridge or you just do like live resin stuff and, and rosin? No, we, we've done everything, um, you know, from the inception, we started with CO2 way back in the day, moved into ethanol, uh, moved into distillate, live resin, and, you know, now it's hash resin solventless, but currently we have three lines. Uh, we have a, you know, a distillate line, which we call our high potency. We have a live resin line and uh, we have our, our solventless line. Awesome. Awesome. So, so being that you guys have been in the industry for so long, talk to me a little bit about the R&D that you guys have done. <laughs> yeah, a lot of trial and error, put it that way. Um, a lot of it was by necessity, I'd say, especially back in the, in the early days, um, you know, we were pretty hard pressed to get a, a real legit chemist to walk onto some of the extraction sites we were working on back in the day. So, you know, again, a lot of trial and error, figuring things out, how to purify cannabinoids, um, how to purify different oils and, you know, retain terpenes, not degrade the product along the way. Um, really has been the mission just to make a really good product. But, you know, uh, through a lot of trial and error, we found a lot of interesting things, um, you know, different types of oil, viscosities, consistencies, you know, what crystallizes and THCA format, which is always really interesting. And, you know, um, different types of CBD that crystallizes at different ratios and things like that. So it's just kind of a constant evolution you know there's so much to learn about the plant and you know when we're concentrating it and extracting it, it you know it just really you know really puts a good magnifying glass on certain cannabinoids and terpenes yeah have you guys ever made those wizard stones that oleum makes those big rocks <laughs> yeah i mean you know we have like one that's going in the lab that's just like you know we're kind of just always trying to grow the biggest crystal and put it aside and see how big i can get and like really look at it from like you know the facets and that type of like crystalline structure perspective so so yeah it's really really fascinating stuff and you know I, there's just again so we're just really at the tip of the iceberg there's so much to learn here is that is that just just uh through pressure and heat and like in like a bath of sauce or? Yeah, I mean, you can do it, you know, there's multiple ways to do it. You know, you can, you know, redilute it in certain solvents and, you know, that will purify it and kind of speed up the crystallization um, structure and tech, you know, as far as crystallization goes. But yeah, you can just kind of go, you think of a diamond under the earth for many years under tons of heat and pressure, you know, mm -hmm. and you can do it that way and kind of just slow and low and just grow them really big. You can seed crystals, you can do all sorts of interesting things. I've read on Reddit and a couple other places, there's this debate on, you know, what's better, hydrocarbon extract or hash water, hash water sure. extract. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, it's an age old debate. You know, I would say 
you know, I love everything, especially if it just tastes good. This is my personal preference. So, I'm, you know, we do all the lines and, you know, we believe in them. Certain solvents like hydrocarbon are really good and selective at capturing the things you want, which are the terpenes and the cannabinoids and leaving a lot of the undesirables behind. So it is a really good solvent and you can make some really tasty extracts with, you know, hash rosins and solventless and stuff like that. Right now it's, it's very strange specific. So one good thing about hydrocarbons is you can get a huge array of terpene profiles and strains um, in hydrocarbon concentrates where you can't in, in hash rosins. So that's one big benefit, you know, one thing that hydrocarbon does have. Um, but really you put them side by side and there's just like slight nuances to, you know, say if you're dabbing a GMO hash rosin and GMO hydrocarbon extract, I mean, it's really how it was made, you know, and how the input material was. And if it's the same input material and it's carefully extracted, I mean, you're going to get a quality product out of each. And I would say that's the biggest differentiator is just what touched the plant. You know, if you're, you know, I, from a scientific perspective, there's really no issues, health issues. I mean, all the, all that solvents purged out of the hydrocarbon extract, but, you know, just for the perception of clean and just even an environmental factor, you know, the only thing that touched the plant and used in extraction is just ice and water, which is really mm -hmm. fascinating. And a lot of people really gravitate to. I started in the cannabis world selling hardware and doing packaging for some people. I tried my first rosin cart, I would say five years ago, I was working with like LaserCat and Wolfpack and a couple of people trying to find the right hardware. And, you know, when I first tried it, we, we were trying to like play this game of like, man, it, it just wouldn't deliver the profile of like Terps that we wanted uh, with the mm -hmm. hardware. You said that you're about to launch your, your solventless, right? We, we actually have it. We have launched it. It's been in the market for about a year. We've actually done a really good job at, I think, with, you know, the terpene retention and, and the product functionality and the hardware. So, yeah, it's um, our solventless product has won um, place top three in Emerald Cup, won high times a couple times, you know, place top three in sort of numerous competitions. So, you know, the people are really kind of saying, you know, this is a good, good card. But, yeah, it's out in the market now. That's awesome. If, if you guys uh, are ever planning to move down here to Florida, like 710, I, I could really use a new uh, rosin car plug. Yeah, we're, we're thinking about <laughs> it. So yeah, I'll definitely, uh, definitely link you up with some samples next time we're out there. That's awesome, man. So I've, uh, I've heard a lot of chatter in the industry about people in the, in like the hemp world doing these alternative cannabinoids, eating into the, the revenue of, of the regulated industry. What are your thoughts on that? You're right. There is a bit of, you know, rare cannabinoids coming out of the hemp world that are certainly kind of eating into the, the THC or legal supply chain here in California. When we first started, you know, CBD was a bigger in, in different types of alternative cannabinoids were certainly a bigger, you know, portion of our overall share and overall revenue. And we've seen that dwindle down. And right now the cultivators, they're really not even growing high CBD or very, very few are growing rare cannabinoid strains. The reason being is, you know, exactly that is the hemp guys are, you know, growing it at huge scales and you can go get it at basically any, you know, gas station how these days it seems like and get some delta eight gummies or whatever. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely eating into the revenue. I think, 
on the flip side of it, it's making cannabis a little bit more accessible to people, especially in like closed, closed market states, um, yeah. which is good. You know, I'm a believer of the more people that are kind of using cannabis, the world will be a better place. And, you know, hemp's a really interesting product environmentally and, you know, just recreationally. So, and medicinally. So, yeah, I think there's a, you know, there's a, there's good and bad to it basically. Do you think that there's going to be a time when, you know, all like the Delta 8, Delta 10, THCP is going to be under the regulated umbrella? I think so. To a point, you know, I, I think similar to like, you know, the probably the supplement market and things like that, you know, where, you know, to make certain claims, there are there is going to be some FDA oversight, you know, how how scrutinizing will that be? I think time will tell. But yeah, I think there'll be a point, you know, we're all just this industry is moving very quick, rapid growth. It's a giant industry and, you know, it's got so much momentum behind it. People are just going to do whatever they can to kind of push the envelopes and push the boundaries. But at some point the government's going to come in because yeah, a lot of these cannabinoids and especially when you're doing, you know, there's just not a lot of research out there on certain things and certain techniques. And, you know, we just don't know yet. So, um, you know, I think there's going to be more regulatory issues as, as time moves on. Absolutely. Speaking of the industry, um, being that you guys are in California, I've got a bunch of buddies out there um, and it's it's tough out there, man. How, how have you guys been able to maintain the success that you've had from the beginning um, and and, you know, come out on top in, in, in a market that's as competitive as California? Yeah, um, it's been tough. Absolutely. I think. The one differentiator for Jetty that's really helped us stay afloat is the innovation. You know, like I said, we started with CO2 and then we moved into ethanol and distillate and live resin and different types of live resin under that sub under that category and, you know, played with rosins and hash rosins and ice water extracts. And, you know, we have a lot of things in the R&D pipeline and that you know, really kind of that innovation and knowing what the consumer wants, what's the bud tender smoking, what are the buyers smoking, what are the influencers smoking and, you know, what do we want to smoke and, you know, just always kind of moving towards a better product and not staying complacent in any, any sort of category, I think has really helped us stay alive. Um, you know, I think survival in the industry is you're winning, you know, if you're surviving, you're winning, um, at least in California. So yeah, that's really been kind of one of our secret sauces is just kind of always moving and pivoting and, you know, innovating. Yeah. I've myself dabbled in, in this world and, you know, tracking terps and, and all that. And, you know, there's, there's some terps that smell amazing. Like I've, I've had a biscotti terp that smells awesome from one of my buddies in California. Um, but I've never, I, I didn't really translate well to the cartridge, uh, or like to like a vape format. Do you, do you guys find yourself running to the same thing and, and just testing a bunch of stuff to make sure you release the right thing in the market? Sure. I mean, our terpene library and data pool is extensive. You know, we've been testing terpenes in the house for many years, um, obviously third-party analytics um, to really see, you know, what the chromatographs are saying. And um, not only that, just sensory testing, you know, like, does it taste good? Does it smell good? And at first, especially, you know, when we were doing kind of terpene isolations and things for distillate and with the ethanol processing like that, wasn't a solvent that was that good for preserving terpenes. So we had to figure out ways and whether it be steam distillation and things like that, that, um, you know, we're 
anyway, we could get the terpenes off, but they were degrading in the process. Anytime you apply heat to the process, we know that they're going to degrade and, you know, it compromises the terpenes and they end up tasting and smelling terrible. And, you know, <laughs> you got to kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out where are the good tasting terpenes, where in the profile, where in the spectrum. And um, those are the ones you got to go after. So, you know, it's really starts with the input product, of course, you know, if you have a terrible smelling input product, you're not, (laughs) you're not going to be able to manipulate it to a good smelling input product or tasting, but yeah. So, you know, vetting the farmers, working with good farmers that are doing good work and care about preserving their turf profiles to give us good inputs at the beginning. And then for us, you know, in the process, not degrading any part of the terpene profile is really, really important. So you just said that you work with farmers. Do you guys also grow your own, your own uh, product? No, you know, we've been really close and, you know, my background, I've, I've done a couple, you know, bigger indoor grows, bigger outdoor grows, things like that. So I've always been sort of, you know, close to the farming side. Um, obviously, I have a lot of industry friends that that farm at scale and farm just amazing craft cannabis at, you know, very small scale that you just really don't see on the market. So, you know, I have a good handle on it. So we have a team that you know, works closely with the farmers. We have a genetic library that, you know, a a nursery here in California holds for us that are jetty strains basically. And then we have really good, um, you know, supply agreements with certain farms that do good work, organic farming, and um, they, they will grow the strains that we want them to grow at certain specs and things like that. So we're, you know, I'm out at the farm, maybe right now, I think since planting, like at least every week to every other week, just checking in on the plants, seeing how they're growing, looking for deficiencies. You know, I'm I'm no means an expert cultivator, but, you know, just kind of keeping an eye on the babies. You know, obviously quality and quality out, right? So you have to, you know, be on top of that and, you know, make sure that's going well. Um, I want to ask you, what got you into extraction? Like, tell me a little bit about that. (laughs) Um, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stories of back in the day, but I mean, me personally, we had a dispensary in San Diego, 2009, 10, 11, and this is before branded products. This is before any dabbable extracts came out. And what I was seeing at the dispensary was, you know, we had our, our bubble hash or water hash, if you will. And, you know, sour diesel full melt was like the best thing you could get back then. And, you know, it'd be three quarter melt and this kind of average bubble hash. And, you know, then these, like we call them vendors in California would start coming in with these different types of oil-based concentrates. And they were amazing. We didn't really have a good way to smoke them. There was no dabbing then at that point. So then the glass blowers kind of come on the scene and start blowing different types of hellstones and glass rigs and swing arms and all these different devices. Um, you know, and just kind of, I watched that whole evolution happen. And what really the glass blower friends were saying was like, man, we're not blowing, you know, we're not making like bongs and pipes anymore. We're everybody wants these oil rigs, you know, and different types of devices to how to smoke oil. And I watched our concentrate shelf at, you know, the dispensary go from this like little type bubble hash to all of a sudden just more and more and more and more share at the dispensary. And like, oh, there's something here. And then somebody came in, the e-cigarette thing just hit and somebody came in with, you know, I put some cannabis concentrate in this e-cigarette and it was terrible. It, it 
didn't work. It was like cotton wick and tasted like crap. Back in the day. Oh man, it was brutal. (laughs) But we're like, whoa, like this is really going to be a game changer if somebody figures or cracks the code here, right? So that was sort of like, you know, seeing that happen and, you know, got together with kind of the Jetty founders and, you know, we all kind of shared that vision, like, wow, this is kind of really revolutionary and really interesting. So that's, that's sort of how it all evolved and, and Jetty came about through really seeing like, the whole evolution of, of the extract market happened in front of our eyes and being really interested in it. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I remember that I was, I was out in college. I, I started a smoke shop and I remember seeing like the titanium little swing rigs and oh, dude. people torching, torching yeah. their concentrates. <laughs> yeah. You were like, it's red hot. Hit it now. It's red hot. That nail is hot. Like, you know, it's like, go for it. I don't know how many little collapsed lung issues I had back in the day. Oh and, uh, man taken way too out of dabs but yeah it was uh it was an interesting time back then and it was really yeah it was really cool to see but yeah then the dispensary we made a little dab bar in the back and like kind of consumption lounge and had all the devices and um it was really really a, a fun time and and really interesting and just to kind of look back and see see where it all came from and where we are now is amazing yeah I, I remember the first dab that I took and I feel like everyone has this this story it was um one of my boys that had been dabbing for a while and of course he gave me a monster fucking glob and mm-hmm. um I it was a terrible experience but you know I've I've evolved from that and you know now I I dabbed in some quality stuff we we all have a few <laughs> few experiences like that yeah and so it's, uh, it's really nice to understand temperature and combustion rates and things like that that um again you know it's just nice the industry evolved and uh, consumer safety is important because Absolutely. I don't know how many bad experiences people had with their first dab or their first edible that was hundred milligrams back in the day or the cookie oh, that was, you know, who knows how much cannabis was in there. I don't know. I put mixed much weed and butter and that's <laughs> it, you know, like just eat them. And, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you're to the moon and uh, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty bad experience. So I think, you know, that side of things where, you know, the regulate regulations really kind of did help and kind of make it accessible for, for more consumers to, not start off with a terrible experience like we probably did. Yep. So if I uh, if I had to ask you, uh, what would you pick, uh, cold start or hot start for your dabs? Ooh, cold start for sure. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's the only way, man. It's mm-hmm. the only way. It is exciting to see the cannabis industry evolving. You know, I've I've been in it for about a decade. There's still a lot of work to do, but. People do seem to be a little more educated and, you know, with regulation and, 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 you know, more people getting into it. There's, there seems to be, at least from, from my end, I hear less stories of, oh, I tried this, you know, hundred milligram edible that I didn't know what was in there. You know, a lot, there's a lot more lab tests out there, you know, going back to like the Delta eight, Delta 10 world, you know, I, I have seen, you know, or read, uh, you know, this, it, it's, it's also impacted the black market, right? So you know, you have these sure. guys are selling things to gas stations and smoke shops, but, you know, you can go get something that, you know, has a lab, a lab test, you know, even if it's fake or not, it's, it's coming from, you know, <laughs> it's coming from a handful of people. You know, I think mm-hmm. that the cannabis world and the hemp world, it's that they're, they're, they're small circles of people. Um, obviously you have your bad players in in both worlds, but I think it's pretty cool to see you know, just the evolution of it and, and, you know, where testing is going and all that. Speaking about that, you've been in the industry for a while, you know, we've seen some, some testing labs in California get fined for 
basically saying there's more THC in there than not. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a big problem. I think the lack of standards for labs creates opportunities for bad actors to come in and, you know, whether it be falsifying lab results or, you know, we call it shopping for potency in California where we can drop the same sample off at 10 different labs and there'll be two or three that are consistently going to give me a higher THC result. And we know that affects the sales and velocity in the market. So, you know, it's kind of, it could be a marketing play if you just want to go shop the labs that are, you know, giving the highest potency results. And uh, maybe they're not the most accurate in other ways. Um, We really try to find a good balance at Jetty, but, you know, I, I think it just creates opportunity for, again, bad actors and, you know, it, again, it, it kind of comes back to consumer safety and consistency and why, how we're going to attract more consumers into the legal market is that through that and having a consistent products. And, you know, if, you know, I have something that's really, you know, 50% THC, but it's testing at 70 or so on and so forth with a certain lab, like that's going to create an inconsistent experience for consumer and ultimately do the industry as a whole disservice. So it's tough out there. You know, we're, we're trying to always find the best partner when it comes to lab results. And there is some new legislation um, that is kind of coming online that is supposed uh, to kind of address that issue and standardize all the labs SOPs, which I think will be helpful and needed. It's hard for me to understand. I'm, I'm a connoisseur. You know, I, I could care less if it's 50% THC or 60% THC. I'm looking for like the flavor, the terps. And, and I, I think, I think that, whole thing with the test and like the lack of standards and like it being all over the place, you know, it, it, it's confusing for, for the customers. Cause like, you know, I've gotten more high or a better high off something with lower THC with a full spectrum of cannabinoids and terpenes and a terpene profile than I have of, you know, 90% dissolute. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, another aspect of it is, you know, it's not just about THC. I mean, we've been trying to educate the market on that for years and, um, you know, really like kind of look at what's in, you know, the terpene analytics and what, what's coming out of the product and what strain it is and how, how it affects you. Cause yeah, you're exactly right. You know, I mean, THC is a very one dimensional eye and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you add, you know, terpenes from biscotti or whatever you're saying. And it's, um, you know, it's a total different experience. Right. So, uh, you know, I think, that education piece which really comes down to the labs. I mean, there's a lot of terpene data that we're getting from labs and, you know, those are guiding the effect based claims. A lot of people are making in, in the industry and, you know, not only with just cannabinoids, but with those terpenes as well. So again, it's, it, it really comes down to like labs being consistent, having good standards. And, you know, if you're shopping for terpenes and one thing says it's 10% terpenes, one thing says it's five, but maybe who knows what, the accurate thing is, but you're looking for a consistent experience. The consumer is at least again, you're being connoisseur, you know, maybe you want to flavor chase and try different terpene profiles and we have a little bit of tolerance. So, you know, it's not going to affect us as much, but you know, again, for new people coming into the industry and into the market, it's really about consistency and consumer safety in the long run. Agreed. Agreed. It's, it, you know, being in, in the hemp side of things right now, what's been most successful for, for our company has been releasing these blends of cannabinoids um, but I can tell you, man, it's, it's been a huge challenge with testing. You know, I've tested at all the major labs and it's, it's, it's all over the place, you know, but I have found some good, some good players, KCA, uh, shout out to them. They're awesome. 
So, so I want to, we got like five minutes left. So there's two more things that I want to touch base on. So one, sure. uh, congratulations on the purchase agreement from Canopy. Sure. I'm sure that feels awesome, right? You know, all your hard work over 10 yeah. years. How, how was that process for you? Was it a long process? Yeah, it was a long process. Um, yeah, it's been happening in the background for for many months, and you know, it's deciding whether it's the right deal for us or not was a big decision. Obviously, we put a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this company, and you know, kind of goes back to what I was originally saying is like I think you know the more cannabis we can get out there, the world's a better place. So this deal kind of gave us and the Jetty brand more firepower to go after innovating at a bigger scale, uh, launching into other markets and, you know, just really the capital uh, firepower that gave us to really kind of build the brand and scale the brand even bigger, I think is going to be a good thing for everybody. With this, I guess, partnership with Canopy, are you guys planning on launching in other states besides California? Yeah, we're, we're actively in talks with uh, a few other states, a few on the East Coast, Midwest, Colorado, things like that. Um, you know, it's, we, we've never gone outside of California. So this will kind of be our first multi-state operation as we roll into 2023 here. And, uh, you know, want to make sure we do it right, have the consistent product, consistent quality, um, the same stuff we have out here in California. So again, really f- linking with the farmers, making sure the input products are, are up to snuff. That's a lot of stuff I'm working on right now. And, you know, just watching the cultivation, you know, it's cultivation season happening. So we're going to have harvest soon. And, the East Coast and, and you know, other markets, obviously, in, in, in North America. So, yeah, it's going to be fun time. Yeah, I'd say we'll probably be in at least one to three states uh, by the end of 2023, which is exciting. Awesome, man. Awesome. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing that. Uh, the last thing I really want to talk about is, um, uh, so Jetty, Jetty founded uh, and they operate the Shelter Project. You want to tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, man. Um, again, just our ethos is, you know, the more people that have cannabis, the next cannabis can help you. Like we would give it away. We would give it all away if we could. And that's kind of <laughs> how it started. Um, you know, one of our, you know, founders, uh, good friends had some health issues with cancer and, you know, it's like, I'll try anything, you know, and that was kind of it. And we wanted to make sure we had a safe, clean product that was again, hundred percent cannabis oil that I can give, you know, a cancer patient, my mom, whoever it may be, you know, we just, and the consumer, we just want to make sure we have a safe product at the end of the day. And we, we always believe in the medicinal side of cannabis. So um, that sort of evolved into us just giving friends and family, you know, cannabis as medicine to, hey, let's kind of do something around that. So we started the Jetty Shelter Project, which is, you know, basically Jetty giving free cannabis oil to patients with cancer in California, you know, and hopefully scale that into other states as well. That's one of the pillars of, of our company as well, man. You got to give back. So Nate, I want to thank you again for taking the time to uh, join us on the podcast. If any of the listeners want to check out Jetty products, they're all over California. You could Google them, Jetty Extracts or JettyExtracts.com. I want to thank all the listeners for joining us on Potline Bling today. You could find all our episodes on CannabisRadio.com. Like, subscribe, rate the show. You can uh, listen to the podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts, Amazon, Apple, Spotify. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks, Nate. All right. Thanks, JJ. Big up.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.